What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Hill Varsity Club is opening in Omaha this May and is hiring for all hospitality positions. Do you love elevated food, exciting events, and having fun at work? Join our team by applying today at HillVarsityClub.com. Hill Varsity Club will feature a next-level mix of classic sports bar favorites and contemporary creations with indoor and outdoor seating and memorable live events like live music and sports watch parties. We can't wait to grab a burger and a beer at HVC this May. Apply for all front or back-of-house positions now at HillVarsityClub.com. Welcome to Meathead Test Kitchen, where food and fitness come to hang out. Nutrition, training, and life. It's all fair game on Meathead Test Kitchen. Welcome to Meathead Test Kitchen, where we make your fitness journey suck less. I'm Sadie. I'm Sasha. And today we are going to talk about doing shit you hate. <laughs> um, everybody hates to do it. When it comes to working out, there's always stuff that you put off doing as much as humanly possible. And today we're going to talk about those things, why doing those things are good for you and how to survive the pain cave when you're in the middle of that workout that just sucks. That was like literally my workout this morning. (laughs) I was like, I'm really glad we're recording this today because I can talk about it. Um, I feel like every single person on planet earth, like has a movement or exercise or part of exercising that they really, really hate doing. Um, so we asked some people, what is the stuff you don't like to do? Because we'd like to expand on why it's good for you and how to get through the crappy part of it. Yes. Um, for example, Amy sent in running, just running in general. (laughs) I just can't like make myself, but I know I quote unquote should do it. Any ideas? Um, so honestly, if you don't like running, like don't force yourself to do it. There are other forms of cardio that you can do. If you don't like running, like you can go for a brisk walk, like just go for a faster walk. Um, if you get good at some other form of cardio, you'll be able to focus more on the mechanics of your running instead of that and worry about whether or not you're going to hyperventilate on the sidewalk (laughs) instead. (laughs) Yeah, that, uh, I, I feel your pain, Amy. I also hate running. Running is one of those things that I do because I know it's good for me. Mm -hmm. Uh, something that did help me a lot was trying other forms of cardio until I got up to it. I did a lot of arc trainer. I did a lot of elliptical. I did, Uh, Now I do a lot of rowing, um, a lot of Mm -hmm. jump rope. I will do any other cardio besides rowing or besides running if humanly possible. So um, just build up that cardio capacity and then you can work on running. If that is something that you do kind of want to do because you know, it is good for you. Nobody wants to hyperventilate on the sidewalk. No, no. (laughs) And I think people don't like running because there's this perceived notion that they're not good at it, whatever being good at running means you don't have to be fast. I mean, unless that's what your like goal is, but you work up to that over time. Yeah. Spoiler alert. Anybody that's ever started doing anything sucked at it at the beginning. Mm -hmm. So you're not alone there. You're not the first, you won't be the last. Yeah. You might, I look like, I I feel like a cheetah when I run, but I know I look like a drunk elephant because I'm all (laughs) loose. So I, I just, it's, it's a shit show when I run. 
fun. But working on your form is very important. And once you get your running form down on top of that cardio capacity, it'll be butter is what everyone yeah. tells me. Yeah, absolutely. Like it took me a while. Like I, oh, I honestly used to think that I hated running because I wanted to be fast at it. Like I get pissed off and frustrated because I was at like a 13 minute mile, but you don't get better at something without doing the reps and doing the work. You don't have to go and run 10 miles right out the gate. Start with like a quarter of a mile and work up to it. Right. Think about it in terms of weightlifting too. You wouldn't squat 135 pounds on your first day. So you should right. be making the goal to run five miles on your first day. You know, you got to make baby steps. So Amy, that would be, that would be our biggest advice. Baby steps. Yes. And keep it simple. Just, just do the work, do what you need to do, build up that capacity and then start running for distance. If that's what you want to do. Yeah. Uh, Tim hates burpees. He says <laughs> they just suck help. Aww. <laughs> Uh, I agree. I also don't like burpees. This is like things I don't like to start the day. Uh, work on your pushup first. If your burpee is weak, you really need to work on your pushup. Uh, that will make your burpees feel less terrible. It'll also help you not feel like you're going to smash your face into the floor when you go on the down portion of that burpee. Uh, you also want to work on high planks as well. That the high plank versus the low plank, the low plank is when you're going to be on your elbows. High plank is when you're fully extended, your arms are out. That's going to work your shoulders. It's going to work your back. It's going to work your core. It's going to work your chest. It's going to work on holding that pose when your muscles are fatigued. Planking is great. It's one of those things that people sleep on. Uh, yeah. You should be doing planks in your daily workouts. Not every day, maybe, but um, they should be parts of your warm up. They should be parts of your cool down. They should be parts of your ab work. Yes. Um, to do a good burpee, you need to have that plank down because if you don't have that plank down and you go down in your burpee, you're going to sag in the middle and that's going to make your back hurt. It's going to make your shoulders hurt. It's going to make your hips hurt and your burpees are going to suck. They're going to yeah. be really hard to do. And you're going to be more tired. Another key that I would give you once you get to, um, working on that, you know, your pushups and, and your planking is not stopping at the bottom of a burpee. Yes. You want to take your rest at the top because when you stop at the bottom, you're slowing down all of that momentum yep. and it's going to be harder and take longer and suck more to get back up. If you're stopping at the bottom of your burpee, I don't really have any advice on making people like burpees. I feel like burpees are one of those things where like you either love them or you actually just freaking despise them. I love them. Um, for whatever reason, I'm actually better at burpees than I am an actual push-up. <laughs> really? Um, yes. Um, uh, I actually like had Kim who I've referenced before my workout buddy take like film me because I was like, they're like, what the hell? My form on my burpees is better than my push-ups, which probably means that I've got some core strength that I need to work on. So those planks would be good for me. Yeah. I had, 80 burpees scheduled this morning. So I did a bunch of them and that was the worst part of the workout, but I felt better afterwards. So I still hate burpees. I hate burpees less than I used to. Yeah. Um, I also hate push-ups less than I used to. Like it's Same. one of those things where you, the more balanced your body gets and the better you get into movement, you will actually hate it less. Um, we're yeah. going to talk about that a little bit here in a minute, but yes, burpees, sorry, yeah. <laughs> you just got to do more of them and then they'll suck less. <laughs> They will suck less. Like when I first started this journey, I could do maybe five without like just being totally gassed. I would never have imagined, but it's after lots of practice and like a fuckload of them too. Yeah. I just don't mind them anymore. Cause there's other stuff that I hate more. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Matt put uh, wrote in box jumps. 
Um, my knees always feel like crap. What am I doing wrong? Um, if you can't do box jumps right now, it's one of those movements. One it's scary. Um, and trusting yourself to have that momentum and that explosiveness isn't necessarily going to be there right away. It took me a really, really long time to get box jumps. Um, start with single leg step-ups. So you can do those unweighted, you can do them weighted, you can do them to varying heights, um, but try to do that with some explosive explosiveness. So you're going to push off really strong and propel yourself up on your one leg, meet it with the other, and make sure that you're alternating on your step downs because otherwise you're going to that unilateralness is going to be a little thrown off. One leg might be sore, more sore than the other. If you keep stepping down on the same leg, Um, that's going to help build up some of that muscle around your knee without the impact of the actual jump and the land. Yeah. Box jumps are freaky. Um, a lot of people will beat the shit out of their shins. The first couple of times they learn how to do box jumps. Um, the hardest part about box jumps, honestly, is just making sure that your feet clear that box. So you want to just get a really, really, really good jump. And that's going to require a lot of explosiveness. I've been doing box jumps for years and I still only like, I usually do 18 to 20 inch box. I yeah. don't do the 30. I don't do the 36. Cause I will wreck myself, but you can, those step-ups are really good. They're good plyo. Um, they're a good warm up exercise too, mm-hmm. actually. Uh, when I do them for explosiveness, I will do one foot at a time. So I'll have my plant foot and then my back foot will just kind of hang. And that will be my step down foot. So you go up and you plant, and then you've got that other foot hanging down and then you drop and then you, yeah. and then you do the other side, uh, work on your knee mobility, work on your ankle mobility, uh, strengthen yeah. your calves. That's going to help getting your just more leg days, more leg days yes. are honestly going to be what's going to help you rock the box jump. Um, if you need to do a little PT because your knees do feel shitty, look up some of that on YouTube. Um, there are some really great things from squat university. There are some really great Mm -hmm. things from the writer of becoming a supple leopard. There we go. We're going to mention that on the bingo. That's going to have to go on. I feel like we mentioned that a lot, but, um, there's resources out there to help you strengthen those muscles around your kneecap, because there are quite a few tendons and ligaments and there's a lot going on in your knee. Um, so you want to make sure that all of those things are taken care of, which equates to more leg days and more PT on your knees. Yeah, absolutely. All that's going to help it. And like when you're building up to those, just doing that mobility anyway, is going to keep those muscles and tendons loose. Like you mentioned, um, and it won't hurt as much. You shouldn't have pain anyway, but you can get a little tight in the knee and hip area and the ankle area when you're doing box jumps, especially if you're not really used to it yet. Yes. And always make sure you're warming up before you do your box jumps. Box jumps should not be something you're doing first set right out of the gate without any warm up. Right. Um, Amanda coming in with one that we, I hear a lot. A lot of people don't like pushups. Um, she said, no matter how many I try to do, I always feel like I'm going to fall on my face. I do understand that sentiment. I have been there myself. Uh, pushups are hard. They're one of those things that people see them and they're like, oh, that's a really simple movement. That'll be easy on the surface. Yes, it does look really easy, but it requires a lot of boxes to check. You need to work on your core strength. You need to strengthen your pecs. You need your shoulders to be engaged. You need your lats to be engaged. Um, that's a lot for just a a simple up and down movement. You have to have a lot of muscles in place again, like with the burpee, if you don't have your core engaged while you're doing a pushup, your body is going to sag. And you don't, you see a lot of newcomers in gyms that look like that when they Mm -hmm. do a pushup, 
You don't want that because again, it's going to kill your momentum. But once you get to the bottom of your pushup, you're not going to have anything left in the tank and you're just going to lay on the floor. And then you lost all of that momentum. So then you have to push yourself back up again. So you're doing double the work. Yes. Um, uh, one thing that like scale, uh, there are different scales for pushups. Like if you're wanting to work on your form before you go all the way down to the floor, you can do wall pushups. Um, uh, then the, you just go to varying heights of incline with your hands mm-hmm. till you get to the ground. You can also grab a, um, what are the uh, resistance band, the smaller ones and put them around your arms, make sure that your arms are directly underneath your shoulders. And that can help you make sure that it kind of pushes you back up a little bit once you get to the ground. And I think that that helps. It's a mind muscle connection there with the band that helps you make sure that you're engaged with everything. Cause you'll feel it when you're using that resistance band, if you're not. Yeah. I did a lot of push-ups on just a, an empty barbell in the rack at mm-hmm. an incline. So you would be at about, I don't know, like 45 degree incline probably. Yeah. Um, and you just, you, you grab the bar like that and then you do your pushups. And that is really good because it gives you stability left and right. You're not going anywhere. Um, it helps you really work on locking in those core muscles. And when you do a push up like that, you should be able to like feel the striations of your pec muscles working. If you don't Mm -hmm. do pushups very often, you should be able to feel them working if they're not working. And if it doesn't burn after a couple, you're not engaging the right muscle groups. Um, make, make friends with dumbbells, do plenty of shoulders, lats, pecs, work pec flies into your workouts. Make sure you're doing uprights, make sure that you're doing your upright rows. You're doing your lat raises, a lot of accessory work, do your bitch work. It really does pay off. We swear. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I promise you. Um, I've actually been working in a lot more of that accessory work because I want my pushups to be better. <laughs> um, pull-ups. This is my personal one. Yeah, I, I fucking hate pull-ups because they're tough. Like it requires a lot of stif- stiffness throughout your entire body. The way that I kind of see it, the amount of muscles that need to be engaged for a proper pull-up is the same as if you were doing a um, plank hold from your elbows, except you're hanging in the air. Every single part of your body basically needs to be activated, um, to have the correct form. The length of your arms and torso are also going to play into how easy and or difficult these are for you. For me personally, these suck because I have a lot of distance to go to get my head over the bar because I have very long arms and a very long torso. Like if you split me in half, my legs are shorter than the other upper half of my entire body. (laughs) Like, um, I'm not, not quite that bad, but I have very long arms. And so that's a lot of, a lot of distance to pull your core, your lats, your shoulders, your quads, your butt, basically everything needs to be activated for a pull-up, um, to get you up over that bar. But they're also one of the best movements for upper body strength building. Um, there are several ways to scale pull-ups and movements that you can do to build those upper back muscle muscles, excuse me, basically any kind of row. Yeah. (laughs) Bent rows, barbell rows, um, renegade rows. Um, it's kind of, you know, you're going to want to work on the same muscles as what you use for your pushups. Cause it, you know, you want to work on your core exercises too, but strengthening these, those shoulders and your lats, especially is really going to help you get a pull-up faster. Yeah. I do a lot of banded pull-ups. Um, mm-hmm. I have my, 
I'm 5'10 with a wingspan that's just at or above six feet. So everything on me is long. Yeah. <laughs> my legs are long. My torso is long. My arms are long. I'm just tall. Um, so pushups or pull-ups are hard for me too. Um, I did the same thing that I did with pushups, but in reverse with the pull-ups, get that barbell and you just hang under it and you pull yourself up and you want to make sure you have all of that good contact. Um, a good rule of thumb for when it comes to finding where you should put your hands on a pull-up bar, on a barbell, on anything, uh, our trainer, one of our trainers told us, take your thumbs and put them at your shoulders and then go from there. Mm-hmm. So like shoulder hands and then push them out and then down. So it should be about a thumbs width each side from your shoulders. Uh, that should be your ideal setup. Of course, if your arms are shorter or longer, you might have to adjust a little bit, but that's a pretty good rule of thumb. Uh, you can set up shop there first and see how that feels. Pull-ups are tough. Uh, unless you train for pull-ups a lot, they're one of those movements that you're not going to be able to, to roll into the gym, go up to the bar and rip off 10 in a row, unless you've been practicing a lot. Yeah. Uh, like I don't train them super often. I work them in every now and then on a push pull day because I know I need to, but it's not something that's in a lot of my workouts probably should be in more of my workouts, yeah. but, um, it's again, do your bitch work, do your bent rows, do your barbell rows, all of the rowing, uh, lat cable pullovers. I don't know if that's a technical term for them, but I swear by those where you grab the short bar on the cable machine and you start with it shoulder height, and then you just push it down until you're to your waist and you mm-hmm. just do that. And that will build your shoulders. It'll help build your lats. It'll build your pecs a little bit too. It'll burn burn in the best way. You can feel it too. Like from the top of your shoulders to about mid back, all of those muscles should be contracted when you're doing those. I love those. Cause I, I love the feeling of all that contraction. (laughs) And I know like, I'm like, yeah, doing the thing. I'm going to get there. Uh, I do a lot of assisted. I can do like a pull up on assisted, just one, one single, um, they're, they're hard, but it does require you to do kind of a lot of bitch work. But if you want them, you got to put in the work and I've been putting in the work. (sighs) I'll get there. It's before, by the end of 2021, I'm going to have multiple unassisted pull-ups. That is my goal. So did you, did you just watch your face when you said that? Because it was amazing. I didn't put in the work. I I have my notes covering my face. So I don't have to look (laughs) at it. It was amazing. We're recording via Zoom today if you're listening to the podcast and you don't know what the hell we're talking about. Uh, Let's talk about doing shit you hate and the power of doing shit you hate because there is power to this. You can take power back in any situation, especially situations that you don't necessarily want to be in, even though you decided to put yourself into it, like a pull-up workout. Mm -hmm. Sorry, your wad has 40 pull-ups. You're going to have to figure out a way to get through it. so the power of doing shit you hate, we talk about this every now and then we talked about it when, uh, we talk about the importance of hiring a coach or a trainer. When you do things you hate, the first thing it does is it makes you enjoy the things that you like to do more. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's anything in life. Like you go through a rough patch and it, it makes you appreciate when things are good that much more. So think about it, getting through doing a task that you don't like is always going to make doing something you do like a whole lot more fun. Um, yeah. so like if you like deadlifts, get through that workout the day before with the burpees and the ass bike and the jump roping, and then do your deadlifts tomorrow and enjoy the hell out of it. You're never going to have it up without a down. Um, yeah. and wow, that's some deep life advice right there, but we're talking about workouts. So, uh, just, just get through it. 
is the best that we can say sometimes. Right. And honestly, that's it. Just do what you can to get through it. Well, and it builds mental toughness, mental fortitude, like however you want to word it. When you do stuff that you don't like, you're forcing yourself to leave your comfort zone and nobody likes doing that. I don't like doing it. Sadie doesn't like doing it. Guarantee you, you don't like doing it. But when you do things that you don't want to do, you're going to grow, grow in ways that you didn't know you could. Like, for example, when I first started going to the gym, I did not like to sweat. That sounds freaking asinine to me now. But I didn't like to sweat. I didn't want to break a sweat. I didn't, I don't know what it was. I just didn't feel comfortable getting super sweaty. It wasn't because I didn't think like, I didn't equate that to hard work or whatever. I just sweat a lot as a human being anyway, but I didn't want to get super sweaty and gross. I just wanted to do my dumbbell curls with the fives. And like, I didn't, I didn't really care at that point about, um, growing in my journey. I just cared about showing up. Right. And by getting out of my comfort zone, little by little by little, like I really look forward to the really, really tough wads. I do like, I'll see it. I look ahead every week on what I've got on each individual day. And I look forward to those really, really hard ones because I want to see how fast I can fucking do it with the best quality. Yep. Like I get really excited about that stuff. Now I know how much I'm going to sweat. I don't care. I can shower afterwards. I want to sweat like a lot, (laughs) but before I was really uncomfortable doing it. I don't know why it was just like a mental hurdle hurdle. I needed to get over, but I'm so glad I got over that because now I appreciate when I'm able to go to the gym even more. I think that the, the fear of sweating actually is pretty common. Um, in some of the fitness groups that I'm in on Facebook, I've seen women talk about it before when they buy leggings, they're like, Oh, does it show sweat? Oh, does it show sweat? Who cares? You're going to the gym, girl, get sweaty. Mm-hmm. It, it doesn't matter. You know what? I know girls that are power lifters or Olympic lifters that sometimes on a heavy pull, you'll pee yourself and they don't yeah. give it shit. So you shouldn't either. Like it's, it's all part of the process. Sometimes double unders might make you pee. Like if you Mm -hmm. have weak pelvic floor muscles and you want to lift heavy weights or do CrossFit work on your pelvic floor muscles, uh, it will benefit you in many other ways outside of the gym that we're not going to talk about because, well, we don't have time to have a sex ed course today. However, (laughs) uh, work on those, those pelvic floor muscles that will help you a lot in that regard. If you are worried about having a little bit of a leak when you go to the gym, but otherwise fucking get sweaty, who cares? Wear what you want to wear. If you're wearing something light and you sweat through it, guess what? You worked your ass off. Right. My only, I was always worried about like leaving sweat on things. Oh, that's Yeah. That wipe up your sweat, but you just bring a towel with you and throw it under your ass. Mm-hmm. Like you're good. No, one's gonna no one. I, I guarantee you, no one notices, but you you're working, right? You're working hard. You're going to sweat. It's just make sure you sanitize after you're done. Right. That's, that's it. You want that's to all sit on a sweaty ass print when they right. sit down. Uh, that, that is a huge thing. I got ringworm one time because somebody didn't wipe their sweat up off of a piece of gym equipment. Mm. Talk about disgusting. Yeah. Uh, so always wipe down your gym equipment yes. and, uh, make sure that you're being polite to other gym goers, put your weights away while you're at it too. So I don't have yeah. to do running you and make you feel bad. Uh, this also will contribute to constant growth. So the more that you get used to being uncomfortable, the more that you're going to see results. Um, personally, this has started happening for me in the last year or two. Uh, once I stopped worrying so much about, you know, that week specifically or that month or whatever, you just, 
you do the work and the work will do its thing. You're going to keep growing even when you don't realize it. It really is that simple. Once, once you get used to being, because you do get used to being uncomfortable. Nobody likes going outside their comfort zone, but sometimes we need to. Um, and we understand, like, I understand completely that life requires you to get outside your comfort zone. And sometimes you don't get to choose when you do it. So for me, it's like, okay, well, I'm going to choose to do this today. So we're going to rock it. That's yeah. part of the growth mindset. Sometimes you just got to do the shit you don't want to do because that's life. Right. Absolutely. Um, it's, you know, it's the mantra, like the growth mindset to expand on that too. It's like the mantra that your talents can be developed through hard work, good strategy and input from your peers. It's going to differ from those who have a fixed mindset where those beliefs, their talents are in eight gifts, like in eight gifts. Like I, I'm so glad that we're touching on this today because I, when I first started on this journey, I was in such a weird freaking place. I just, I didn't like myself. And I had really like in my personal life and in my work life had really pigeonholed myself into this place where I was so scared of failure because I thought that I had to constantly be perfect because I had these gifts that I I had done hard work to get by the way, but I didn't see it that way at the time. And, and until I had really allowed myself to grow and experience uncomfortable things, especially in the gym, but then that, that snowball that we always talk about happened just further throughout my life because I kept doing stuff I didn't want to do especially in the gym. And that like that snowball and those snowflakes that we we've talked about quite a few times on this podcast, I cannot tell you the amount of growth in the last five years I've had just by going to the gym and doing shit I didn't want to do. Yeah. And talk about a good way to beat the hell out of your imposter syndrome, get out of your zone and get used to it. Because if you can own situations that you don't feel okay in all the time, then you can own any situation. And by when I, when I say you don't feel okay, like I'm not talking about a dangerous, like weird situation. I'm just talking about daily life stuff where you're like, eh, I don't think I'm going to do that today go do it anyway. You'll be glad you did. It's all about changing your perspective. You are the one that's in charge. You, nobody else, you run the show. So remember that, especially when shit gets hard in all aspects of life, you are the one with the keys 24, seven, 365, regardless of what anybody else tells you. When someone tells me that I have to do something, my first immediate thought is no, fuck that. I'm not going to do that because that's how I am. Mm -hmm. Um, so I, I'm like, no, I'm not going to do this. Fuck you. Who are you now? If you're my boss and you're telling me what to do, different story, but like, <laughs> I, I am just inherently, that is, that is a trait of mine because of my upbringing that I am just instantly rebellious. Anytime somebody's like, you need to do this. And I'm like, the fuck I do. So when you have something that you don't want to do, you lose that feeling of accomplishment and fulfillment. You're just there doing a task that you don't enjoy. Mm-hmm. So you can, you can actually use this to your advantage. How? You say, well, I'm choosing to do this today, and this is going to make me a better athlete because X, Y, or Z. That's how you take power in that situation. That's how you take power in any situation. Mm -hmm. I choose to do this, and this thing is going to benefit me because of this. So you make those choices, every single one of them, even the ones that aren't the most fun. So own it. It's okay. And I feel like that, I mean, that's just how you get better and grow in general, like by changing that, 
I know that maybe it sounds like overly simple, but like, but it works. I choose to do this or I get to do this. Yep. Just those small little tweaks, like make a huge, huge difference and impact on your mindset overall. I just, I think it helps you grow as a person and as an athlete and a little more quickly, um, getting an accountability partner, my goodness, like it, it's especially for that crap you don't like, or on the days I don't want to, you know, like we like, I super believe in this. Sadie super believes in this. There's something really special about that kind of a relationship where you can be no bullshit at all times. You keep one another in check, especially when it's needed the most, like the social aspect of making a promise to someone or having them hold you to it is more powerful than like we can put into words. Prime example, when I was feeling guilty about not working out, the first person I got a hold of was Sadie because I knew she was going to be like, dude, you've been working out six days a week for two years in a row. Like, I think it's okay if you have a week. And honestly, by getting a hold of her and having her like, like snap back to reality, not to go M&M on you, but like, I really needed that because then it shifted my mindset. Like, honestly, that two and a half weeks I had off was like a gym reset for me. And I've come back like refreshed, fully rested, like ready to attack things that I had gotten kind of complacent on, like my accessory work. Um, and it, it just changed my mindset. And like, I really needed that break. Yeah. It's good for you every now. And then I know that people think it's counterproductive to take a couple of weeks to a month off from the gym, but really it'll be there when you get back and you're mm. actually going to want to do it more when you come back. Because oh, yeah. like, Oh, this is new again. Cool. I missed you. Yeah. Right. Come back to me. Right. Um, so, even just like, especially on the days when I like, there are be days every once in a while where I, I straight up don't want to go. So I'll either get a hold of you or I'll get a hold of Kim and Kim will be like, well, I was going to do that workout today. You want to see who does it faster? And I'm like, yeah, I do. And, <laughs> and then that, you know, sometimes you just need that light, you know, yeah, that little fire. Oh. Right challenge bitch. (laughs) It's there. There really is something special about that. And I appreciate that. We do have that kind of relationship. You are looking for an accountability partner. Look for someone that you see as on your level. You need to have someone that's pretty much on the same or pretty close to the same level as you are, because that person is more likely to understand where you're coming from when you don't want to do something or you don't like, Oh, I've got 35 push-ups today. Fuck that shit. Well, I'm going to do them first and do it in this time. And you have to beat it. Like mm-hmm. it's, it's all about how you, it's all about how you phrase things to yourself and to your friends when it comes to being an accountability partner, but also being an accountability partner for someone else actually makes you better at being accountable for yourself. Yes. Because you tell somebody something and it's like, well, I told Sasha, she needs to do this. So I better do it myself. Otherwise I'm full of shit. So right. It, it works. It works for both parties in equal ways. Uh, it's a very beneficial thing to have. If you don't have an accountability partner, we highly, 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 highly recommend finding one. Uh, if yeah. you need one, you can email us anytime. Hello at meatheadtestkitchen.com. We'll give you that tough love whenever you need it. Uh, let's talk about the pain cave. It is something that we all know. Uh, if you are in any level of fitness, I feel like if you've done a workout <laughs> ever, you've been in the pain cave. Um, it's also called the hurt locker. Uh, I like to call it garbage time. Uh, Katie Nolan, please don't sue us. We love you. (laughs) Um, but it's, it sucks. The pain cave is that moment in a workout where you start to feel like you may not make it to the end. 
your lungs start to burn, your arms are getting tired, your legs are getting tired. And it's like, am I going to die? The answer right. is probably not. Um, and we're going to help you conquer this feeling. Yes. There are three phases, the entrance, the encounter, and the exit. The entrance, when you go somewhere, you have to know your destination. Otherwise you'll ultimately drive to nowhere. Like that's why I always look ahead at my workouts for the week. So I can mentally prepare at least a day beforehand. If you know, you're going to have a bad time, you better have a really good reason for it. You better it's like, before you even start that spicy as fuck workout, know that you have to decide to keep going like, okay, there's five rounds. Once I get to, this is what I do. Okay. There's five rounds. I know this is going to suck, but once I get to three, I'm over halfway there and I only have the downwards hill to go. The fourth round's probably going to be really shitty, but I know how I am on the fifth round. So if I could just get through four, I'm going to kill it on the fifth. Yep. Especially when it really sucks. There is a a caveat to this and that is injury. Like if you're experiencing like really intense pain, like don't continue, know when you should be stopping your body gives you those cues. If you start to feel that it's, it's an uncomfortable ache, it's not the burning pain because you're going hard. There is a difference. If you get a side stitch, if you like, if you start cramping, stop for a minute. Uh, because cramping can lead to injury because your muscles already locking up and saying it's had enough. So if you are cramping in the middle of a wad, pause it, roll out whatever's cramped and then get back to it. Yes. That does happen sometimes, even to us. Sometimes you have to pause a wad to roll out your lower back before you do the rest of those kettlebell swings. So that you yes. don't a disc. <laughs> um, so the second part is the encounter. So you're in the middle of your first ever 5,000 meter row. Your lungs Ugh. are burning. Your arms are tired. Your back hurts. Your legs are tired. Uh, welcome to the pain cave, mi amigo. Bienvenido. You're in it. Um, so this is where things can start to get a little funky. Once you've started to reach your limit, once you start to redline and that heart rate's up, this is where things can start to go wrong because it happens to everyone. You get that little voice in the back of your head. Mm-hmm. Mine, mine is super ego. And it goes, hey, are you going to be able to do this today? This is really shitty. I'm not sure that you're going to finish this. This is when you need to keep it positive. You need to start talking over those voices that are doubting you that you can and will do this. Come up with a pain cave phrase. Mine is you're not a do nothing bitch. Fucking go or just yeah. fucking go. Yeah. <laughs> um, Make it your mantra when things get really hard in a workout because it does make a difference. Yeah. Mine is let's fucking go or come on, you son of a bitch. Yeah. Um, it depends on how <laughs> it depends on how shitty that particular wad is and how far in the pain came I am. This morning, yeah, I could yell, let's go, you son of a bitch at you during a workout. Yes. yes. So for example, today's wad was five rounds for time. Um it was 20 um, clean Ooh. power cleans, 15 burpees facing the bar, 20 thrusters, and then a 400 meter run. Wow. None of that gives you a break, huh? No. Well, you do have a required two minutes in between each round, which burpees did help the break in that burpees straight into thrusters sucks. And about the middle of round three, I was like, you fucking son of a bitch go. <laughs> Cause I had taken a, I took a beat because I was a little out of breath by the, after my burpees on that third round. And I was like, no, it's just whatever <laughs> it's so like, and they can be like crazy shit, but whatever gets you to go, that's the one that really gets me to go. And it, and it really, I usually am pretty far in the pain cave where it's like, you motherfucker get go. <laughs> 
And then you just go, like you just push through it. You know, you've got it. Once you can I see the top of the hill. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> for sure. Or a banger playlist, get something really heavy and really angry on and uh, yes. you'll be in great shape in no time. The biggest fun, the biggest part of this is to stay in control. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to say that a lot. You have to stay in control. The pain cave sucks because once we're in it, we start to hand over our control to that, that invisible voice in the back of our head to the doubts in our head. So managing your pain will become easier. Keeping focused on your movements so that they're good quality will become easier mm-hmm. because you'll be more calm. If you can talk yourself through a very physically stressful situation, you can talk yourself through a mentally stressful situation as well. There are mm-hmm. a lot of things in fitness that do translate over to mental health that we talk about a lot. And I feel like we do talk about mental health a fuck ton on this podcast, but because it's necessary and because it is a part of your health, mental health is health. Yes. Managing that pain in a workout, managing that soreness, that heart rate, start breathing deeper. You know, when your heart starts to race, once you get up to your red line, that's when the yoga breathing really starts to take in effect. And you really need to get that full breath, mm-hmm. let it out. Once you can master that, your body becomes a pretty fucking amazing machine. So does yeah. your breath for that matter. It really does because you've got, you know, that when you're in a stressful situation or a panic inducing situation that you can breathe your way out of it nine times out of 10, because you've got that control of your body. Um, when you do start to panic mid-workout, you do tense up. It makes you move less efficiently. Um, and when that, and like inevitably like that can ruin the rest of your workout. If you don't take back the control, your muscles can lock up, you lose control of your breathing. That's when you start panicking. It's going to kick your ass. We've all been there. I was started to be there again around the middle mark of that third round today. And I literally just had to take a beat and I had to remind myself in my head, fucking breathe. I have to do the motion sometimes because I get so far ahead of myself and so into the workout that I sometimes forget, especially after something that's pretty cardio heavy burpees. Um, I literally just had to stop for a second, breathe because I could tell that I wasn't getting as deep on the thrusters as I needed to. So I took about three to four seconds. That's usually about how long it takes me to reset my brain. And then I just went right back to work. But once I did that, the rest of the workout went a lot smoother because I wasn't as tense. I regained control of my body and my breathing and I was back in it. Yeah. You see me in the middle of a workout. If I stop and I do one of these, it's like, all right, let's go. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I came to fuck shit up. Let's go. Uh, positive self-talk, positive self-talk is I think one of the keys to living a happy life. If we're going to be completely honest, um, it's something that it's taken me a long time to master because I grew up in a situation where there wasn't a lot of positivity in my daily life. Um, so I was obviously not nice to myself and my brain, uh, positive self-talk is very difficult. Um, but it's defined as supportive and affirming. So if you're not there, how do you change it? First step is to listen to your internal dialogue. Now, I know this is going to sound a little out there, but everybody has internal dialogue. We all talk to ourselves. It's fine. You're not nuts if you talk to yourself. We all Mm -hmm. do it. I do it like constantly. Like I'm doing it right now while I'm talking to Sasha and looking like it's the beauty of what we do. Like I'm just, the internal dialogue is always going. So listen to your internal dialogue. Pay attention to it for a couple of days. Maybe take some notes on your phone if some thoughts come up and be like, okay, so let's take a look at all of these. Are they supportive or are they critical? 
would you feel comfortable saying the stuff that you say in your head to yourself to one of your friends out loud? That's a really good indicator of whether or not you should be saying it to yourself in the first place. Mm -hmm. Would I say this thing to a human being that I care about? And if the answer is no, then you definitely shouldn't fucking be saying it to yourself. Yeah. Stop saying those things to yourself. Um, and some questions to ask yourself too, like, as you're noticing what these thoughts are, am I overreacting? Am I making a generalization? Am I trying to mind read? How truthful is this thought? Like all the things, um, you're going to ask yourself when you're having an internal dialogue, a lot of times for me, and this took quite a bit of reinforcement to my toolbox, um, when I was going to therapy, but like, I can overgeneralize quite a bit and it would lead me to really negative self-talk, a lot of judginess. So by starting to pay attention to that stuff, the second that those thoughts would arise about myself that I wouldn't be saying that I would not say to somebody else, not another human being, not another soul. I physically have to imagine a stop sign like with the X's for uh, like a railroad crossing. Like I have to picture it most times because I've practiced this enough, it goes away pretty quickly. And then I, I don't force myself, but I have gotten in the habit of reinforcing the negative thought with something positive about myself or something positive about the day, just to reinforce picturing the stop sign as a good thing. Like, I'm not going to think that let's move on. What's something positive that happened today? Yeah. And, and that's, that's calling yourself on your own bullshit. Like when I have those thoughts, I do the same. I'm like, no, this is bullshit. You're wrong. There's nothing truthful about this statement because of X, Y, and Z. Mm -hmm. So this is the other good thing about having internal dialogue, like paying attention to your internal dialogue, because if you pay attention to your internal dialogue long enough, the actual things that you do think do come out and you can kind of cross-reference them with like, okay, well, my brain said this and it didn't really, I didn't really like that. And then is this truthful? And it's like, well, no, because I've got these two things that refute this. So keeping that thought catalog is really important. I know it sounds weird. There's a lot of things that they suggest to you in therapy that do sound weird that actually fucking work really well. That is one of those things. Um, So you know how you're talking to yourself. You can flip the script instead of calling yourself a dummy because you made a mistake. Hello, I'm guilty of this all the time. uh, Recognize that mistakes happen and just resolve to not let the same thing happen again. You're allowed to make mistakes. You're a human. We all fuck up every Mm -hmm. single one of us. It doesn't matter what job capacity you could be the president. The president fucks up. Their fuck ups have a lot more gravity than mine and Sasha's and yours do potentially, but everybody does. And it's okay. Part of learning is failing or making a mistake. You need to have failure to have success. Just like you need to have the down to have the up. Like you can't, you can't grow without knowing what failure feels like. Once you master some of the things that we've talked about in this, this episode today, like do the shit you don't want to do because of the appreciation it gives you for the other things that you do love to do. Talk more positive, positively to yourself. Everybody I think should do this. I I know that it, it, like the times have been rough. Um, We're still going through it as um, a country, as the world. Um, But once you master some of these things, you're going to like be winning. All the hard shit will become not as hard. Learning how to tell your inner critic to shut up or just zip it 
there isn't a downside to that. It can be difficult to master sometimes, but it's seriously worthwhile in bettering yourself and your self-image. Like doing shit you hate also helps better yourself and your self-image. You're going to fail and not be great at some things, but by actually doing some of the things you don't like and gaining that appreciation for a spe- like fitness journey or life or otherwise, like you're just going to be a better person for it overall. Yeah. Yeah. As someone who will admittedly, and it's not my biggest fear anymore. I don't even know what my biggest fear is at this point. It used to be failure and then it was death. And I faced both of those things a couple of times now. So I'm not so scared of those. So I don't even know what mine would be at this point, but admittedly like in job, in job applications or in interviews, they would be like, well, what is your what is your biggest self-perceived flaw? What is your biggest fear? I'm like, well, I'm an over, I'm an over the top perfectionist and I fear failure. I don't fear failure anymore because now I understand that failure is a necessary component to success. Mm -hmm. If I dwelled on every single thing in my 30, almost 33 years of life that I have failed, I would be dwelling on that shit constantly. That's not how you live your life. You, you learn something from it, you apply it in the future and you move on. That's how the building blocks get made. That's how you make your snowman. Mm-hmm. Just keep going. Yes, you fucked up. You might look stupid for a day or two. You're embarrassed. Who cares? We all do it. Everybody puts their foot in their mouth. They send the wrong email. They like, we've <laughs> all done it. You just don't do it again. You learn, you hope it wasn't a big blow up and then you keep moving. So the next time that you are face to face with something that you just fucking despise, remember all of these things and go kick its ass. Like, that's all you have to do. We came, yeah. thought we kicked its ass. That's a Ghostbusters Keep reference. going, you son of a bitch. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking go. That's what one of my trainers used to tell. Puneta. <laughs> I could, oh, my God. If you want someone to swear words at you in Spanish, I am your girl. Uh, you can call me for that anytime. No, I'm just kidding. Find show notes, recipes, and our Amazon store, meatheadtestkitchen.com. We're all over social media at Meathead Test Kitchen on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. MTK staff on Twitter. Don't forget to email us to hello at meatheadtestkitchen.com if there are other things you want to yell about um, that are beyond burpees, box jumps, pull-ups, um, push-ups, wads in general. Just uh, we love getting emails from you and we appreciate you guys listening. We are proud to be heard at Media Podcast. Follow, like, and rate us anywhere that you find your podcast, legitimately anywhere. You can get MTK merch at shop.herdatmedia.com. And after you're done listening to us, please go check out the rest of the Herd at Media network. We got Shick and Nick, Restaurant Hoppin', Pat and JT, Hollywood Raw, Drunkenomics. It's super diverse. We got about 60 podcasts in total on the network and everybody does something different and they're all really great at it. So you're bound to definitely find something that you love beyond us. Yes. Also check out Sasha's other podcast, Mind Your Own Podcast. They are always talking about something meaningful. I appreciate you two for that because you talk about sports, but at the same time, you always find something to touch on that like is a meaningful thing in daily life. And it's like, Yes. Thank you. Thanks. Um, you're welcome. So have a good week. Yes. Be good to each other. Wear your mask or don't. I'm not your mom. Um, and we'll talk to you next week. The head test kitchen. Out. Out. Join Sadie and Sasha every Monday, helping to make your fitness and nutrition journey suck less. MTK. A Huda Media Production.